Hello, hello, Tim. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? Hey, Jen, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. I'm so excited to introduce you to this Facebook community, which you have been a part of this Facebook community, I think, since day one. So thank you for all of your support and being such a a great member of the group. Um, I know that where you're at on your journey and where you're headed is going to resonate with so many people in the group. So I I couldn't wait to have you come and chat with me and uh, give the the group an opportunity to meet you. I'm just going to replace my pin here or my view so people can see us. We'll see. There we go. There we go. Um, So I'll let you kind of introduce yourself, Tim. I know you and I have had an opportunity to work together in a coaching capacity. I was so fortunate to uh, have the opportunity to work with you as your executive coach and um, would love, I already know so much about you, but I'd love for you to share with our group a little bit about you and your professional journey so far. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, Jen, very much for having me. So I try to always listen into your Facebook lives on Wednesday. And so just to be here, a part of the community is is super exciting. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, so I, I grew up in central Illinois, uh, studied finance in college, and I kind of knew early on that I wanted to go into some sort of finance. Didn't know if it would be banking or consulting or what that would be, but I kind of narrowed it down in college to either uh, corporate banking or investment banking. And so as I thought about it, you know, my dad was an accountant growing up. My brother was an investment banker. And so I knew I wanted to do something with numbers, but more on the sales side. So I also knew that I wanted to move to Chicago, kind of build out my social network. And if I wanted to do that and make a bunch of friends, investment banking might not be the path for me. So (laughs) all of that to say, here we are 17 years later. I've been in the, the corporate banking world ever since I graduated college. Uh, I cover clients kind of in the Midwest, middle market size companies that need financing, treasury, uh, various other corporate banking services. So that's that's what I do. Love what I do. I get to meet a ton of different types of, of business owners, various types of companies. So yeah, I, I love what I do. And Tim, when when you and I were working together, you're you're such a self-aware leader and you're, you know, you've prioritized kind of giving back to people, whether it's your clients or your colleagues or your team. But one of the things that you and I talked a lot about in our work together was kind of this idea of vulnerability and leadership. And I'll just kind of speak for you, but then I'd love to hear your perspective. But I got the sense that you really gave yourself permission to be vulnerable in your leadership. And I'd love to just hear kind of your thought process on kind of what you were told about being a man and how to express or not express feelings and then going into leadership and being so successful in your career and how you've really leaned into vulnerability throughout your career. Maybe you could just kind of walk walk us through that. Sure. And I love, love, love this topic. And and Jen, we've talked, as you said, kind of a a lot about this. And so I grew up very, you know, you don't share your feelings, your emotions. You just, you just don't do that. And you certainly don't do that in the business world. And so that was kind of my, my mentality, you know, coming out of of school and going into the workplace. And um, the more that I've learned on the, on this topic, I think pretty much everyone, at least folks that I've talked to, they want their boss, their leaders, their colleagues to, to show up as their true selves, to be real, to show their emotions. 
And I think kind of this is a basic human need, um, but we don't either know how to do it or we don't want to do it at work. A lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll do it in our personal lives. We'll do it with our family, our friends, our significant others. But when it comes to work, we kind of had, at least I did, had that wall up and you really don't want to come as your, your true authentic self. So that was kind of my mentality. And it really changed for me when I was at my prior institution. I had a boss that did show up as his authentic self. He admitted his mistakes. He showed vulnerability. He didn't give kind of these stoic political responses. And I was really, was really drawn to that. And surprise, surprise, it's because we all crave this authentic connection and vulnerability, as we know, creates this connection. So that's really when I, I started diving into it. And I felt that uh, trust in that open communication with my direct manager. Um, and so I just started to desire those types of interactions, those types of relationships. And I just started kind of reading everything I could about it, listening to podcasts. And, and that's kind of when I, something really shifted for me um, at, at that time. And so as most people know, uh, Brene Brown, her work and her, she's done a lot of, of work on vulnerability. And I watched her TED talk, which by the way, if, if folks haven't watched her TED talk on the power of vulnerability, mm. please watch it. It's, it's tremendous. It's, it's unbelievable. But I really dug into some of her work and, and that's when things really started to shift for me. And so I'd love to just hear from you. I, I love how um, focused you've been on reading and podcasts. You've really uh, dove into this topic of authentic leadership and being vulnerable at work. What would you say are some of the practices that you put in place um, to take some of the concepts that you learn and some of the concepts we talked about, but what, what did you start really weaving into your day-to-day -day as a leader and with your teams um, to really show up the way your leader was showing up for you? What, what changes did you make? Yeah. So I, I felt like at this point I was just taking in all this information, but I didn't necessarily know how to implement it. So I was kind of trying to, to that transition was a little challenging for me until I got involved. And I know I've shared this with you before. So there's, there's a men's EQ group that I got involved with probably about a year, a year and a half ago at this point. And so that's when there was another kind of big shift for, for me. So these were, this group was talking about our emotions and how to process feelings. And for the first time I saw some highly successful, you know, grown men talk very openly about their feelings. And I was like, wow, this is so different, so new, but I, but I loved it. And so I will say when I first joined that group, it was a little awkward. It was uncomfortable. Jen, we talk about the Enneagram. You know, I love talking about the Enneagram. Yes. I'm a hard type eight. And if folks know anything about the Enneagram and type type eights, it's very difficult to be vulnerable and share emotions. So it was especially hard for me, but I did see the value in it. So we, just to give you a little bit of context of, about this call, um, we start every, and it's once a week, by the way, for an hour. So we try to always, always make it. We, at, at, at every, every chance we can, we, we try to be on this call, but we start the call with checking in with, with your emotions. There's no explaining, you just check in. So you're glad, you're either glad, sad, you know, fear, hurt, shame, lonely, anger, and guilt, I think are the, the emotions. And everyone just kind of goes around and says how, how they're feeling. And you simply thank, thank the guys for sharing that. At that after that point, you'd really peel back the onion and you talk about what's behind that check-in. And that's when the true vulnerability happens. And it's, it's pretty amazing to hear guys share and to share yourself. So 
because of because of this group, I've become very close with these guys because of what we've shared. And we're not there to fix anyone. It's simply, you know, listening and you're offering support. So and I and I will say that the the more that time goes on and the more I do this each week, it's becoming easier and easier to talk about, you know, my true feelings and emotions and certainly not viewing uh, vulnerability as weakness, which is what I did about three years ago, two or three years ago. Yeah, that's so uh, thank you for sharing that, because I think more men in today's society and, and in the corporate world really need to hear that, that it is OK to show up and be more vulnerable uh, at home and at work. Um, and I love that you touch on you don't have to fix anybody's problems, because I think in leadership, that's always a big uh, area where as leaders, we tend to feel like we have to solve everybody's problems. Yeah. And I know I work with a lot of clients where, hey, you know, that's actually doing a disservice to a lot of people because there's so much learning in, you know, having to fix our own problems, of course, having the support and mentorship of a, of a good leader, um, but giving people a little bit of freedom to go fix their own problems in life and, and at work, I think is so important. For sure. And I think, you know, at least at least for me, when, when I was at work, I don't know that people are going to feel as comfortable as, as in their personal lives to really share everything. And that's OK. We're probably not going to go as deep at work as we are, you know, in our personal lives. But we can certainly be open. We can be honest and transparent. And I think the more you do that, you really create that bond between your coworkers and your peers or your, you know, your boss, whoever the case may be. Um, and people want, people want that. They desire that they want to feel seen and heard. And it's, it's a work in progress, certainly. Um, but, but I will say folks that work for me, they appreciate it. They feel that I can be, they can be transparent and real since I am. And to me, that's a huge sign of success right there if they're doing that. Um, and then you run across folks that don't want to be as vulnerable, right? Like, and that's fine too. You don't want to, you don't want to push those people. It's their decision. But I will say for me, when I run into people like that now, it does create a different type of relationship. It's probably a little bit less robust. It's just not as, as authentic. And so um, I don't know that I'd say it creates a barrier, but it's just a different type of, of relationship. So I would encourage people to kind of normalize showing up as their authentic selves and, and trying to be vulnerable at, at work. Um, Brene Brown, I think in one of her talks, she, she, she describes vulnerability as the most accurate measure of courage. And I, I totally agree with that. And I think it's a little different spin of that. It's, it's, it's being willing to be open and transparent, talking about your feelings, your emotions, your insecurities, um, and, but you still have a, a strong sense of direction um, and purpose while you're doing that. It's not kind of one or the other. Yeah, and I think from a leadership perspective, it's like that's when people have the most impact is when they're really connecting with with people on a very deep human spiritual level, right? So I mean, it's like connecting as human to human versus you know boss to subordinate or whatever it is. So I think there's so much uh, in what you're saying that I know all of our group is going to, uh, you know, this is going to resonate with. And it's just uh, fantastic and something that I feel like we need to amplify these types of conversations more and more, especially with men who, like you said, 
um, aren't always raised or given permission to be as in touch with their emotions. Um, but Hey, that's, you know, that's where, how EQ is built. If we're not aware of, of our emotions, uh, we can't, you know, strengthen up our emotional intelligence and we can't have as much impact. Um, your company is in the middle of a merger right now. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty and ambiguity just in the corporate world right now in general, lots of layoffs, uh, lots of M&A activity going on out there. A lot of people not having a lot of answers. So how do you kind of lead and how do you show up in the middle of just a lot of unknowns right now? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So the institution that I work with, we're in one of the, the biggest or, or one of the biggest certainly uh, acquisitions that we've ever done. So there's new leaders, there's new uh, practices that we have to implement. There's a lot of uncertainty about the future. We have a new CEO, we have uh, a new regional leader ahead of ahead of the US, um, and we're hearing that there's going to be a lot of local changes coming too. So um, yeah, there's absolutely a lot of uncertainty. But again, I think you have to look at there's going to be opportunities that come with that, right? And so we're going to be bigger. We're going to have more products and services because of the acquisition. We're going to go into industries that we've never been in before. New leaders are going to be asked to step up. Or if you're already a leader, potentially taking on a bigger team. Um, and so it, the saying is very common, but it, to me, it's so applicable as you can control what you can control and then try not to get bogged down with the things that you can't or all the distractions because it's super easy uh, to, to just let it overwhelm you. And I think if, if you're focused on what you can control, it kind of helps narrow in on what your what your focus actually is. And we know change can be exciting. It can be good when you get stretched out of your out of your comfort zone. So I think if you have that perspective, it makes it a little bit more palatable. Well, and you are, I think, are a perfect example. You can control your perspective. So you just mapped out, you know, we're going to be bigger. There's going to be more opportunities. There's going to be better ways to serve our clients, right? So just the perspective that you're bringing to the change and uncertainty um, could be different than the perspective somebody else may have around, I don't know what's coming. I am scared. Um, what does this mean for me? How is this going to be bad for us? Right. So I think just the perspective that you're bringing also shows kind of your emotional intelligence as a leader and maybe helping others see that, um, that may not. Some see people that just don't want to deal with it. We've already, we've already had quite a few folks leave, um, either from our side or the, the company that we're acquiring. So, some people don't want to deal with it, but I kind of try to look at the opportunities that could come along with, with yeah. those types of situations. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. What advice would you have, um, Tim, for an emerging leader, maybe somebody stepping into their first leadership role? Yeah. Oh, there's there's so many things I, I could say that I've learned. But for, for me, I think sometimes we can totally be our own worst enemy. For, for, for me personally, for a long time, I let my age really get in the way. I thought my lack of experience and the number of years I had under my belt was a problem and it just wasn't enough. And it really slowed me down. Um, I thought I had to be older to be in leadership. I thought I had to have so many years under my belt. And so I, I really hurt myself. Um, and I think I, as a, a younger leader, really struggled with imposter syndrome. I, I had doubts of my inadequacy. I was thinking, man, if I have a team, will I be able to answer all of their questions? And um, no, of course not. There's going to be things that you don't know, and that's and that's okay. Um, so I had to I had to really work through that. And if I could go back maybe 10 years or so, I would I, I wouldn't create this story in my head. 
I'd work on building my self-confidence, knowing my product and my industry really well to be, you know, to, to really be an advisor to my clients. And, and probably above, above all, just finding a way to connect with people, you know, and I think that goes back to being vulnerable. The more you can do that, the more you're going to connect with people. And at the end of the day, people want to do business with, with people they can build those connections with. And it really doesn't matter about age. So that's one, one example. That's awesome. What, what would you say is the best advice that you've ever received in the leadership space? Yeah. So a leader at one of my prior firms really told me to focus on the why and who, who you want to be. So how do you want to be remembered? And if you focus on the why part of that, you, then you set out to do it with the proper goals in place. Um, and that's very different than kind of behavior modification, which rarely sticks. So focusing on the why, and then once you do that, keep drilling down and asking and asking why. So for me, it's funny because I sometimes see that I'm changing because of some societal norm, for example, and it's not even something I necessarily want to do. Yeah. And so a lot of that can go back to your own personal values and it helps shape your why. Um, but if you, so take an example of why do you want to get promoted? Why do you want that brand new car? Or why do you want to make more money? And if you keep kind of peeling the onion back and asking why, are you searching for F? For affirmation from others, I don't know. I mean, that's that was kind of my journey after I really dug in and, and asked myself why. Um, and then I'm like, why am I even doing this? Um, so I think you spoke recently, Jen. I don't know if it was on one of your lives, but you were talking about a, a New Year's resolution, 80% or 75% of, of yes. New Year's resolution failing. Um, and I think it's because people are trying to kind of modify behaviors versus going a little bit deeper and understanding why they actually want to change in the first place, whether it's working out or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And it's about creating a legacy. That's, that's why, you know, to your point, what do I want to be remembered for? How do I want to show up in the world and, and have an impact? And that's where, you know, meaning comes from when we can contribute and, and show up and make these connections uh, versus, you know, what can I get out of this? A car, a title, more money, you know? And I think that's where, you know, there's so much um, that's out of alignment right now in today's society because we kind of need, I don't know where I heard this term, but maybe if you can remind me the getting that universal chiropractor adjustment, <laughs> where we can kind of get back in with our true sense of, of self to, um, remember our why and remember who we really are and how we want to show up versus what can I get out of this? And what can I make other people think of me? It's like, no, like what's your, what legacy do you want to leave behind and what kind of impact do you want to have is, is so important. So I'm glad you brought that up. Exactly. Yeah. And another thing that someone mentioned is figure out the difference between a leader and a manager. And I know we've, we probably, a lot of us have, have thought about this or done some work around it, but, um, if you're just wanting to manage people to manage people, it, it potentially it's not going to work out for you. You're not going to enjoy it. So really understand that. And I, I enjoy watching others succeed under my leadership. I'm very competitive. I like working together to accomplish something. Um, but maybe even more than that, I like to influence and motivate people. Um, and some of my bosses have been great leaders and some have definitely been managers. Yes. Um, and so you can, you can usually tell that pretty quickly. Um, the other thing I would say, Jen, just on this topic is maybe some some advice going back to that question. 
doing some visioning work, and this is a key part of the work that we've done together, and this is something that I, I did not do a good job of before we started working together, which I very much appreciate, but I'm just kind of naturally inclined to be a doer, to take action, full steam ahead, and I didn't do the necessary visioning work um, to kind of understand where I was trying to go and then, you know, setting the goals in place to get there. And that could be your career, relationship, buying a, any kind of big decision it could apply to. Um, and then once these goals are in place, you take action steps to get you there, right, to achieve that goal. But I think taking a step back and doing that visual, visualization work is so important. Yeah, a thousand percent, because um, I think a lot of people are are good at kind of, you know, thinking about where it is they want to go, and what kind of legacy they want to have, but maybe they they struggle to take action or to your point, well, I was take I was doing a bunch of things. I was in that same camp too, before I started doing this work, you know, let me just go do all these things without taking that step back and understanding the why that can come through having a vision of where you want to take your life. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you added that thought, Tim. Now you have a very busy life. Your uh, work is, is quite uh, challenging, but a lot of opportunities ahead. So what do you do to kind of create space and prioritize the, the work that you're doing with your men's group and just your own personal growth and having a good, healthy balance with, with your life? What, what do you do to, to create balance? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think it's super important to have a healthy work-life balance and being in, in the moment with, with people when you're not at work. That's one thing that I'm really trying to focus on is just staying present. And um, one of the reasons I kind of love being in sales is you get to some extent, make your own schedule, create your own path. And so for me and my team, um, we have super clear goals for the end of the year, which is, which is a nice part of the business. It's pretty black and white in terms of what we need to accomplish. And so we talk about this earlier in a year, like kind of day one, if you will. And then that creates margin to say, okay, if you do meet these goals in month two or three or whatever the case may be, it creates margin to do some of those things that you, you enjoy doing. So for me personally, I enjoy traveling. I have friends in various parts of the country I love to visit. Um, I'm pretty active at my health club when it comes to racket sports. We've talked about you know, pickleball in the summer and paddle tennis in the winter. And so I really enjoy doing those things. Um, I have two French bulldogs that kind of act as my friends, my kids for right now. Yeah. Um, and then I had, we've talked about this, but I've, I had my midlife crisis during COVID and bought a uh, motorcycle and find it super relaxing. And that's actually contrary to what people think. It's kind of when I do some of my best thinking and processing when I'm on, when I'm on a motorcycle. Um, and I come from a big family. I have 14 nieces and nephews, so I try to wow. see them as much as possible. And um, so that's that's kind of how I, I spend a lot of my time. But I, I would say the midlife crisis thing is it's a joke. But man, if someone is out there thinking like, I really want to do this, but it seems like crazy or a stretch, I, that's just a good example for me personally where I did it. And it's it's kind of been a huge blessing for me. So. Yeah. A couple things you said there. I'm just over here going, yes, yes, yes. Because you're doing a lot of things outside of work that you enjoy, but if you're not present when you're actually doing them, then what's the point? So when you're spending time with the 14 nieces and nephews, when you're out on the, on the motorcycle, you know, why that is, that is such a, uh, healing, amazing time is when you're 
when you're present with it, you know, being, being wherever you are in that moment is so important. You can do a lot of things, but if your, your head isn't there and you're not actually mentally there, um, what's the point, right? Exactly. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. And I love that, you know, if it sounds like a crazy idea, you know, I'm working on a kind of a personal uh, passion project right now that luckily I have a very supportive group of, of friends and clients and community who say, go for it. But it's one of those things that I'm like, you know what, this is just crazy enough that I need to continue following it because, <laughs> you know, those are the dreams that, that, that just die on the vine because it's not what you know, society isn't telling you to go out and, and get a motorcycle, but you realized it's your most um, kind of, you know, process, you know, time to be with yourself and relaxing and process and, and think. And so um, it turned out to be a, a great, great move for you. Well, I love it. This has been fantastic, Tim. I know people are going to want to connect with you, not only in the group, but uh, where can other people, where can people find you even outside the group? Yeah, so uh, LinkedIn is probably the, the easiest way. So I don't know if you're sharing contact information uh, or names or whatever, but um, Tim Tim Anlicker and I'm on LinkedIn and that's probably the, the easiest way. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Tim. This is fantastic. I know this message is going to resonate with so many people and I can't thank you enough for joining me for the conversation. I'd love to have you back in six months time or so so we can see uh, how much you've accomplished in terms of uh, what you're doing with your EQ work, but what you've got going on uh, within your company right now, exciting times. So I'd love to have you back for another conversation. And thank you for being yeah. uh, such Absolutely. an exciting member of the group. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and before we leave, I just want to make sure and acknowledge you and the work we've done together. So I've been a client of yours for a little while, and I've been so impacted by what we've, the work we've done together. And we've gone deep on a lot of topics from vulnerability, leadership. We've done a lot of this vis visualization work that I've talked about. And I've just noticed for me, it's helping me show up as my kind of authentic self and how freeing that can really be. So um, I, I really want to just uh, thank you for all the work that you've done in, in our journey together. Oh, it's a joy, Tim. Thank you for sharing that, uh, especially for anyone who's considering working with a, a coach, whether it's me or somebody else. Uh, it takes a village for all of us. And it's, it's been my, my privilege to work with you. So thank you so much, Tim. I look forward to uh, having you back in the future. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.